elevating and honoring motherhood and mothers. There's a distinction there. Motherhood, God's design, and mothers, those who embrace it. And we want to, as the body of Christ, we want to, as Christians, to elevate both. To elevate and honor motherhood and mothers. And so this instruction isn't just for the ladies, men. Don't check out. Stay with us. This instruction isn't just for those who are married and have wives who are mothers. This instruction isn't just for young ladies who are going to be future mothers. This instruction is for all of mankind. For all of mankind are born of a woman. And all of mankind has a responsibility to encourage the rest of mankind to embrace biblical motherhood. And for those who are mothers or will be mothers, to be encouraged in that, loved in that, celebrated in that. And it's a tragedy that our culture assaults biblical womanhood, biblical motherhood, and even now, woman, the gender. The devil is busy assaulting God's design at every level. And so we want to combat that. We want to fight a good fight where the devil's assault is raging. And we need to protect our wives, men. We need to protect women, men, young and mature. We need to protect them from the wiles of the devil. We need to repent of our great-great-great-grandfather's failure to protect Eve. And that same nature's in us to fail to protect our ladies in our day. And the devil assaulted all of mankind by going around the headship of Adam to Eve. And so we want to reverse the curse. So let us labor to elevate and honor motherhood and Mothers today, starting at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3. Let's see if we can find the first mother together, and we will succeed, I think, there in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. It says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And so Adam had named all of the creatures God had created, and there was no creature found suitable to be a helpmate for him, a partner in life and ministry to produce offspring and raise them up in righteousness and subdue the earth. And so the Lord put Adam to sleep, and the Lord took a rib from Adam's side, and he made woman, and Adam, as you'll recall, said, Whoa, man, this is pretty awesome. And it stuck. Woman meaning taken out of man. But a rib from his side, for she would be at his side, as his greatest earthly gift from God. His best friend. His co-laborer. In raising up godly offspring. In subduing the earth to the glory of God. And so Adam called his wife's name Eve, what a precious thing. God himself officiated the first marriage. And it was an arranged marriage. Take a note, Father. It was an arranged marriage. And Adam 
was greatly blessed to receive his wife to himself, and she had no name. I mean, this is, this is a unique situation in the history of mankind. And he names her Eve, the mother of all living. And this, in its very outset, is the design for womanhood. We find in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, instruction from the law of God regarding mother. And I ask you this question, do you want to live, boy? Do you want to live? Do you want to prosper? Do you want society to prosper? Do you want our nation to prosper? Then honor motherhood, individually and corporately. Every nation that dishonors motherhood, every individual that dishonors motherhood ultimately suffers for it. Exodus 20 verse 12, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, that's an implied threat if you didn't catch it. Honor your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Of course, father's included in there as well. It's included first, of course. Uh, but we're not, we're not dealing with father today. We're focusing in on mother. And you, you cannot honor your father when you're dishonoring your mother. And even more importantly, you cannot honor God. You are not honoring God. You're not loving God when you're dishonoring mother. And to disobey mothers, to dishonor mother, is to dishonor and disobey God. This is one of the Ten Commandments. And which one is it? It's the first one in the second table of God's Ten Commandments. Two tables. The first table is all Godward, between man and God. The second is between man and man. And the first commandment in that second table is to honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is living you, meaning they won't be long if you don't honor father and mother. You break down the family structure. You dishonor father and mother and you are dishonoring God and you're cutting yourself off from the means that God has given you, the, the greatest earthly and I would say divine means that God has given you to hold evil in check, the evil that is in every child's heart and will grow with them except for the faithful ministry of father and mother to subdue it beneath the one true God. What a glorious calling this is. What a vital calling this is. And when our culture disdains it and wants to replace mother with government, they are mad. It is madness. Government cannot subdue the child's heart. It is the in-home government. It is the God-designed government of mother. And father alone can't subdue the child's heart. It is this dynamic duo that God has designed of father and mother to raise up godly offspring, to nurture them, 
in the faith, to nurture them in righteousness, to lay down God's law in their hearts. And part of laying down God's law, an essential part of laying down God's law, is simply that mother's word is law. Mother's word is law because God is the lawgiver. And God gave mother as your first judge, jury, and if need be, executioner. In the theocracy of Israel, it was father and mother who literally were the first to cast the stone at the child that blasphemed God or raised a hand and struck mother. And so the Lord is not playing in His design for mankind. It's not an option. It's not a take it or leave it, do what you like. If you want to live, elevate and honor motherhood. The child that dishonors and disdains motherhood puts his own precious life at risk, literally. Many children have suffered a great deal dishonoring and disobeying mother. I would be amongst them. Any other hands? And so praise God for His law. His law that we often see as holding us back. Well, this law of motherhood, yes, it holds you back. It holds you back from everything that would destroy you. This mother stands between you and everything that would destroy you. She is a warrior for your precious life, a warrior for your soul. Honor. Your mother. Obey your mother and heed her word like law. And mother, know that your word is law. It's law. And lay down the law because God has put you there to that end. And if we allow them to dishonor the law of mother, father, and mother, then we're allowing them in their hearts, on a daily basis, to dishonor and continue in their rebellion against God. They must, from a young age, be brought beneath the authority of God and God's law, and mother is on the front lines of that battle every day. And when we men go off thinking we're on the front lines in the workplace, no, we left mom at home on the front line with savages. They're small, but they're savages. Until they're born again from above, that's what they are. That's their nature. I know we love them, particularly when they're asleep. (laughs) Teasing, smiling for the audio. (laughs) I know we love them, but we, we can't let our love and our doting human hearts override the truth of what we know about their heart. It is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And if we allow a parental doting heart to override that, we will be reaping great sorrows later. And so what are we to do with mother? We are to honor mother. We are to obey mother. If you want to live, honor her. Obey her individually, as families, 
as a culture, as a nation. We must honor and elevate motherhood. It's the law of God. And it's the first law on the manward plane, on the horizontal plane. Consider Ezekiel 22, verse 7. Let's take note of God's indictment on Israel for neglecting the vital importance of motherhood. Ezekiel 22, 7 says, If you are in you, they have made light of father and mother. In you, they have made light of father and mother. Now, Israel had other issues, right? They had other issues going on. Serious issues. But this is a serious issue. This is part of God's law. And when the family breaks down, when motherhood breaks down, everything breaks down. Expect murder. Expect rape. Expect theft. Expect blasphemy and idolatry and adultery and every other vile sin. Expect it all. Because mom is on the front lines. And when we remove her vital importance, when we diminish her importance, when we decide, you know what, she's better off out there making money than raising children. She's, she's better off letting the government take care of her children, letting Hillary raise them, because it takes a village. And Hillary's there to provide the village to raise them as good communist workers. And so when the Lord indicts Israel... In the list of the sins he indicts them for is their neglection of motherhood. In you they have made light of father and mother. He indicts a nation for that. I guarantee our nation has gone much further in making light of father and mother. We don't just make light of it. We mock it ruthlessly. We mock motherhood ruthlessly. I've shared with you before how tragic it was for me to go with my wife to one of her her visits when one of our children were in her womb and we go there with great joy. You know, we want to hear the heartbeat, all that. It's wonderful. And up on the wall are these posters, all the posters, telling her, the workforce needs you. We'll still be here for you when you get back in a few weeks' time. Get back to work already. And this wasn't, you know, in some general section of the hospital. This was in the mommy section of the hospital undermining motherhood while new mothers are coming to hear the heartbeat of their unborn child how tragic in you they have made light of father and mother God brought chastening destruction upon Israel for making light of the family structure for making light of fatherhood and most importantly for today's message for making light of motherhood. Leviticus 19 verses 1 through 3 says, be holy. And how are you going to be holy? Revere your mother. Revere your mother. We often get very religious when we think about holiness, right? Very religious. Honor your mother. You want to be pleasing to God? You want to be holy in the sight of God? Honor your mother. What does it say in Leviticus 20 verse 9? Excuse me, Leviticus 19 verse 1. And And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother. What? What? 
No, no, you misspoke, Lord. You meant every one of you should attend temple regularly, or tabernacle at this point. Every one of you should uh, uphold the Sabbath with due diligence. Every one of you should prepare his sacrifice very carefully. No. The Lord went directly from saying, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy, to every one of you shall revere his mother. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Think about what the world often says about Christianity and their attack on Christianity and their attack on God and their attack on the Word of God. Supposedly, Christianity produces misogyny simply because there are different roles that God has designed, designed for male and female, for father and mother. So that's misogyny. No, it's design. It's a beautiful design for the blessing of all. And don't ever forget the world's design for women. It's a nightmare, an absolute nightmare to be used by men to gratify their sexual desires and then driven to the nearest abortion clinic. That's just part of the nightmare that the world has for women. But that suffices. What does God have? Be holy. Every one of you should revere his mother. Wow. And there's a lot of things he could have said after that. But he cut right to revere your mother. And in this text, he cut dad out. What happened to dad? Well, men, we're left out of this one. Revere your mother. It's a tragedy that in our sin nature, so often, we don't revere mother. We take her for granted. We disdain or despise mother. We take all of the infinite number of details that she pays so much attention to day by day by day to bless us, to teach us, to keep us safe and secure and sound and fed and nourished and loved and clean and wearing clean clothes so we don't stink and they don't stink and other people don't think we stink. All those details, right? And all the details before you can even remember, right? All the diapers. Try to just think back how many diapers mom must have changed before you, know, you even were conscious. How many times did she wipe your nose? How much spit up did she clean off of her clothes that came from you? How much disgusting goo from you did she deal with? Usually with a smile, with an adoring look. And usually she cleans you up first. She cleans you up first. And she may get around to cleaning herself off. Because she so loved and adored you, and, and yet God has to tell us. Shouldn't it not be natural? Why does God have to tell us to honor mother? Why does God have to tell us to revere mother? Because we have hearts that are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And so this person that we should so naturally love and adore and obey, we rebel against and despise. Except by the grace of God except that God's law be written on our heart. And Dad, you can help with that. You can help drive that into the heart. Hey, did you hear your mother? It's a serious infraction. When mother spoke, child ignores her. Did you hear your mother? 
Whoa, yep, did. Get moving. Consider our Christian circle. Praise God for homeschooling mothers. Father, take it very serious that your children revere their mother. Because if they don't, it's going to be very difficult to teach them. It's going to be very difficult to teach them. And that's going to be your fault, Father. Now, she has a responsibility as well. But if we can't biblically discipline as fathers, are we going to expect her to do it when we're gone at work? You take care of that. Praise God for homeschooling mothers. But if the children aren't disciplined, if they'll not revere mother, it's going to be really hard to teach them reading, writing, arithmetic. Because the, just the basics of sit down, shut your mouth, and read that. <laughs> and answer the questions. And work till you're done. That's going to be very difficult. And so revere your mother. Her word is law. Eat your peas. Mm-hmm. How many? Okay, all of them. Yep, gotcha. <laughs> Everything in the pot too? Oh, no, just on the plate. Okay, good, we're good. We're good. Yeah, there should be a zeal in obeying mother. I've preached many times. Give your children something to obey. Life is not a smorgasbord of options for children. They need to obey. Now, as they get older and there's generally an obedient spirit, there are more options, whatever. But sometimes you need to turn up the obedience level, right? It's no longer, hey, we're going to do this. It's, hey, do that. The heart needs to be tested. They need to hear the authority and respond appropriately to it. They need to revere mother. And revere is close to fear. It is. There's a godly fear of mother's correction, of mother's disapproval. And mother needs to have a correcting tone and a a correcting instrument. Because that's part of teaching the child to revere, to honor mother. It's not an option. And our culture today is making biblical motherhood an option. It's not an option. It's a requirement. They must learn to revere mother. They must learn to honor mother. Or they're not learning to honor God. And revere God. And so we must elevate motherhood to rescue the child from the child's sin. And to rescue mom from many, many sorrows in her youth. And many more sorrows in her elder years. So, Leviticus 19.1 through three, just beautiful. The Lord spoke to Moses, right? You think this is, this is going to be some heavy, heavy theological, doctrinal, holy, uh, highfalutin stuff here. It's going to be really complex. Um, you shall be holy. Revere your mother. Yeah, it is heavy. It is highfalutin. But it's not complex. It is high law. It's the highest law in the second plane of the Ten Commandments. We need to elevate it way back up, right? Revere mother. This is vital instruction. It is vital living. It is a vital conviction. Not an option. And men, we need to lead the way in, in blessing our wives in this and blessing our children in this. And not believe the devil's lies 
Leviticus 20, verse 9. God is serious about this honor your mother thing. Check this out. Leviticus 29. It's going to get kind of, kind of scary. Children, be ready for this. It's going to be scary. Leviticus 20, verse 9. For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Shall surely be put to death. Just to make sure I didn't misread that. Shall surely be put to death. That's what it says. You curse your father and mother, you, you shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood shall be upon him. Now, you obviously noticed my repetition, but notice the repetition. It says, everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. It's like shocking. Well, yeah. He's cursed his father, his mother. He's done. He's toast. He's finished. We all get that. He cursed his father, his mother. Are you kidding me? Get the stones. And in today's culture where we mock, ridicule, curse, disdain, father, mother, constantly, because this culture is the devil's culture, this is just shocking. What? And obviously, we are not the theocracy of Israel. You children are relatively safe today. Relatively. Nevertheless, this was holy law. And this was the extension of the law, the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. If you don't, if you curse them, you're going to die. Now, how often do you think they had to kill the kids? Not that often. Why? Because when mom and dad get how serious God is about be holy, revere your mother. Honor your father and mother if you want to live long. See, when you get that, then you get serious about parenting. You get serious about making sure your word is law. And that child responds as if law was just laid down when you said, hey, sit down there. You you didn't have to say it ten times. You didn't have to say, please, please, I'll give you a cookie. You said, hey, sit down there. Oh, sit down. There it is. Yeah, I'm all for family-integrated churches out there. But I'm even more for family-disciplined churches. <laughs> There's a lot of zoos going on out there today that call themselves Christian churches. But it's, it's an absolute zoo. Because we're integrating the family again, but we're not doing family biblically. We're not disciplining the children. So we need to train them at home to prepare them to come to church. Right? When we're disciplining appropriately at home, then they're disciplined everywhere we go, generally speaking. Now, we are not parental legalists. Children are children. I had some. They do stuff. (laughs) They get squirrely. And we love them. And that's okay. And when... When people come out of the world and they're just coming to Christ, I totally get it. That's part of why we, we have children's church. We, we have nursery, right? And, and no shame on anyone for using children's church or nursery, by all means. But our goal ultimately is to, from a young age, have them in with the adults, have them integrated. I want them to know Dale and Lori and love them. I want them to know Derek and Amber like my young kids did and love them. I want them to know all you adults. And for you to all be able to say to them, follow me as I follow Christ. And for you to gain from their youthful zeal and energy and goofiness. And for them to gain from your wisdom and your righteousness and your knowledge. I do want us integrated. 
but not an integrated chaotic zoo where the saints aren't edified because we might as well all be speaking in unknown tongues, the chaos that Paul addressed in Corinth, because the congregation's full of unruly, undisciplined children and no one expects them to be disciplined and no one has enough guts to stand in the pulpit and say, discipline your children. I love Vody Bauckham. I forget what it was. I think he had a spoon with a sign or something hung up. And they were, by doctrinal statement, you know, we are going to be family integrated. There's no children's church. We're all together. But there was an expectation that we're going to discipline children and raise them up in the fear and, ad- fear, fear and admonition of the Lord for their good and for the blessing of all. Now, many have followed Vody's example of being family integrated, but they've not, they've not followed his example. I had enough heart to stand in the pulpit and say, hey, you need to discipline that boy. And so what they're doing ultimately is harming the body because I want to be able to equip the saints for righteous living as fathers, mothers, as evangelists, as godly employees and employers and every other aspect of the Christian life. And we can't do it if the family structure breaks down. Do you think when Israel stood, when that big revival was going on, remember that big revival was so awesome, when they stood for like a day listening to the Word of God, right? Sometimes people say, that was a long sermon, Pastor. Well, it was only like an hour, maybe a little more. Not a whole day. And you got to sit on like five inches of foam. Are you kidding me? (laughs) They stood all day. Do you think they had trouble hearing because the kids were going nuts? I don't. I don't. And they didn't have amplification. Why not? Because they got God's design. They embraced God's design. It starts with God's law. Honor your father and mother that you might live long. You shall be holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother. You see, we need to elevate motherhood way, 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 way back up where God elevates it. For everyone who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother. His blood shall be upon him. You need to get that, parent. When you have to discipline your child, that discipline's on them. You should only feel guilty about discipline if you don't do it. Not that you disciplined them. Oh, I feel bad. You need to tell that heart in you that would feel bad. You need to rebuke that heart. That is an unbiblical, rebellious heart in you that would feel bad that you disciplined your child. No, tell the child what to do. Expect the child to do it. If the child doesn't do it, honor and obey God by making the child honor and obey God by disciplining the child. That's the way we love God and love the child. And don't make it overly complex and don't dare bring psychology into it. Don't psychologize your child to avoid being a biblical parent who teaches the child to revere mother. To revere Father. To revere God. His blood should be upon Him. Know where the guilt lies. The only guilt in discipline is when you don't obey the Lord. God is serious about this honor your mother thing. Deuteronomy 21, 18-21. Stubborn and rebellious children, beware, hear, and fear. Deuteronomy 21, 18. 
If a man is a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and who when they have chastened him will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the gate of his city, and they shall say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Oh, this is no little kid. Uh Uh-oh. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Woo! So the live in the basement, punk, drunk son, you know, he doesn't live in the basement. He's out under a pile of rocks. And what do you think that says to all the rest of the sons? The basement's not an option. Not going there. I'm going to revere mom. Do what she says. Learn a skill. Get out and work it. And praise God for the daughter of Eve he gives me to help me raise up godly offspring. And on and on it goes. Deuteronomy 27 11. Interesting mix here. No idols and no dishonoring of mom. I love it because I tend to my mind, probably like you, to put idolatry. Whoa, that's bad. That's bad. But the Lord, hey, no idols and you don't dishonor your mom. (laughs) I'm coming for you. Deuteronomy 27, 11, And Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, These shall stand on the Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak with a loud voice to say to the men of Israel, Cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, and the work of the hands of craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. But wait, we're not done. Cursed is the one who treats his father or mother with contempt. And all the people shall say, Amen. Again, it's, it's almost shocking to us, biblical Christians at church, to hear how high God elevates motherhood. Cursed are the idolaters. And all of Israel said, and they're watching, Amen. That wasn't loud enough. You say it again. Cursed is anyone who dishonors mom. And all of Israel shall say, Amen. Oh. This is a cultural, national stand against idolatry. And you will all be on board. This is a cultural, national stand against dishonoring mother. And you will all be on board. And both are put right there on par as they're coming into the promised land. Like, like these things are important. Isn't that something? Oh, we must elevate and honor motherhood. Put it back where God has it for the blessing of mankind, for the blessing of the church of Jesus Christ and the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ so we don't lose our children in every generation. We have to go out and find them out there with the other pagans of this earth. Proverbs 1 verse 7 speaks of fearing God and honoring mom. Proverbs 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We know that, right? I quote it all the time. You know it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen. 
All right. We're done. No, we're not. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. You see where God puts motherhood? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Back to back, side by side. You want to teach your children to fear God? Well, that's the beginning of wisdom. So if you want them to be fools who go to hell as rebel fools against God, then don't do this. Don't teach them to obey the law of mother because the two are ooh, right there hand in hand. And if we as mothers and fathers don't teach them the fear of the Lord in our home at a young age, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder because they become bigger and stronger and smarter rebels and liars. Our job is to crush the rebellion in their heart, the deceit in their heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. With consistent, loving application of the Word of God and biblical discipline and At the forefront, biblical design, biblical fatherhood, biblical motherhood. These are not options. These are vital, vital. It's frontline war for the souls of these children. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs 6, verse 20. 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Yeah, I didn't just make that up. You hear me say it sometimes, just kind of off the cuff in the middle of a Bible study or another sermon, just touching on these kind of things. Law of mother. That's something, you should write it on the wall in homes in particular with young children. Law of mother. Your children need to get that in their head. And you need to stay clear because you get beat down, right? Especially if you have multiple, multiple savages in your home. You can get overrun. Law of mother. It's good for the children. It's good for mom. Hey, yeah, law. I said, do it. It's a law. Do your children feel like you're a lawgiver, mom? Father, do your children feel like mom's a lawgiver? Father, They feel like judgment might fall on them if they dishonor the law of mom. (laughs) Do not forsake the law of your mother. Verse 21, bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you wake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp and a law, a light, reproofs of instruction to the way of life. Reproofs of instruction to the way of life to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart. Do not let her allure you with your eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread and adulterous praise on his precious life. Remember where this started? With moms, do not forsake the law of your mother, Proverbs 6.20. And moms laying down law in such a way as to keep young men from the evil woman. To keep their daughters from becoming the evil woman. Do you see? If, If mom and dad don't wage that war against that heart, to win that heart, to rescue that heart from the... Uh, deception that is 
bound up in it, from the rebellion that is bound up in it, when, when puberty hits, when they get big enough and strong enough and smart enough to get out of the house a bit, to get a little freedom, and puberty hits, and they get some testosterone and some other crazy stuff pumping around in their, in their bodies. I won't even talk about that stuff. Estrogen. Um, just teasing. Just teasing. <laughs> little humor never hurts. When that happens, if their hearts aren't subdued, they reap a whirlwind. They reap a whirlwind in their lives through sexual immorality and in their souls because it's at that point, and you know it. You don't have to think too long and hard. You know it. It's at that point many of these children go apostate. Because, yeah, it was, it was nice to believe on Jesus. I prayed that thing when you know, mom and dad, you know, they, they had enough influence on me to get me to pray that prayer or to get baptized as a kid or do whatever. Yeah, Jesus, I'll keep showing up at church with you. But, you know, I got something else going on now. And I'm big enough, strong enough, smart enough to get out from under you and I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. And I never did buy the whole Jesus thing anyway. I'm out of here. And that's what's going on everywhere. And that's what will continue to go on when we disdain, when we disdain motherhood. We need to put motherhood way, way, way back up where it belongs. Elevate it and honor it and celebrate it. And be sure those children do to protect them from what's coming. Freedom. And testosterone. And estrogen. Proverbs 10.1 a foolish son is a grief to his mother. It's true for daughters too. A foolish son is a grief to his mother. Oh, sons, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Daughters, don't be foolish. It grieves your mother. It grieves the woman who loves you. It grieves the woman who nourished you. It grieves the woman who cherished you and still does. Proverbs fifteen twenty: a foolish man despises his mother. You know, I don't get angry too often. One of the times in recent years I did get angry is when I saw a man who appeared to be a son yelling at and seeming to be near violent with violent gestures and up close to a woman I perceived to be his mother. And I was with my entire family and I pulled over quite quickly and I hopped out quite quickly and I yelled from a good football field away at such a volume that I had his attention quite quickly. And I was ready to get engaged to whatever level was necessary to bring this to an end. And, you know, it wasn't fully thought out necessarily. But he was going to submit to the law of God and honor his mother right quick in a jiffy, or he was going to deal with me. And thankfully, uh, the ferocity in my voice subdued him temporarily. And he was apologetic and explaining what he was doing. And then it, it took a terrible turn, a terrible turn. And his mother, an elderly woman, his mother begins to explain to me how his rage at her was justified because she couldn't remember where she had parked the car. And now I was contending with the mother and telling her, no, ma'am, his rage at his mother will never be justified. This behavior is never appropriate. And she went on to contend with me, getting more angry with me, and I just had to walk away frustrated eventually. But the tragic reality of that situation was that obviously she had created it. And that's a microcosm of what is out there and what's going on everywhere. 
in our culture and even in a great many Christian homes. A foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 19, verse 26, He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Proverbs 20, 20, whoever curses his father and mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. Are you kind of getting the idea? I mean, the Lord has motherhood way, way, way upper. It's kind of like he actually put those laws in the order that he meant to put them in, in order of importance. Honor your father and mother that you might live long was put there as the first horizontal command deliberately. And it's just everywhere. It's just everywhere. Proverbs 23, 22, do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs 23, 24, the father, the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. That's your job, child. That's your job. Let, let what? Let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you. You notice it goes a second level. It could have just stopped it. Let your father and mother be glad. You should live such a life, O oh child, that your father and mother are glad. They're blessed. They're pleased to say, hey, that's my son. That's my daughter. But it doesn't stop there. It singles mom out. At first, they're together. Let your father and your mother be glad. And then she is singled out. Let her who bore you rejoice. She bore you. She carried you nine months in her womb. She nurtured you from her own body. And then she nurtured you with a carefully planned out menu from McDonald's. Just teasing. Then she nurtured you and kept you alive, kept you protected, got you educated. Most of this was against your will. And she contended with your will. And then she made sure you had a drug problem. She drug your sorry carcass to church week after week and made sure, for the most part, you were presentable when you got there. That's why she is singled out from Father, because she bore you. You owe her your life. She bore you in ways, again, you, you just you don't remember. You can't possibly remember. You were in her womb, and then you were way too young she bore you. I remember some things from when I was really young, some sweet little things, some, you know, correction. <laughs> I remember a, a choo-choo train cake that my little heart delighted in. Yeah, that's what moms do. They make cool cakes. So yes, let your father and your mother be glad, but let her who bore you rejoice. That's another level. Not just glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Rejoice. My son, my daughter. Rejoice. That's your job. Make her rejoice. That's your job today. Mother's Day. That's your job every day. Make her rejoice. You owe it. She bore you. That's not just something people say. That's what God says. She bore you. Make her rejoice. Proverbs 30, 17. Some of you kids like to eye roll your mama. 
It's not funny. You like to eye roll your mama? You might as well curse them. That's what you're doing. It's an open sign of rebellion. Your mother and father tell you to do something. It's not enough just to do it. You do it joyfully. You honor them in it. You make them glad in it. You don't roll your eyes. You don't, ah, your body. You obey them joyfully. And parents don't forget that. It's not obedience simply because they're doing it. If they do it while totally resenting it. Oh, come on back here. Let's try that again. That's a rebellious spirit. We don't just let that fly because we love them. And more, because we love God. And they're dishonoring God and mother and father. Eye rolls, gestures, body language, tone, it all matters. It all matters. Don't let rebellion go. Don't let open disrespect go. Open dishonor of the Mother who gave them life and gives them so much more. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and young eagles will eat it. Beware of eye-rolling, eye-popping, or eyeballing your mother. The Lord takes it serious. Honor your mother if you want to live long in the land. Proverbs 31, we'll just skip to the end. Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. And that should be the norm of our Christian families and all of Christendom. The children rise up and call her blessed. They honor the mother that bore them. They bless her. And so does her husband, her husband also. And he praises her. He praises her because she has done well. She has chosen well. She has fought a good fight. Verse 29, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Let her own works praise her. Let her children's lives and reputations praise her. First Timothy, let's get to the New Testament. Is any of this stuff in the New Testament? That's just Old Testament stuff, Pastor. That's not for today. <laughs> no, it's for today. Except, of course, the putting to death of the rebel child. That's in the theocracy of Israel. And it was right. And it was holy. And it still shows us today how serious God is about elevating motherhood. 
First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifted up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. And so for men, you must repent to confess Christ as Lord to be saved. For women, they must have kids. No, of course not. Um, Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, male and female, of course. Yet... The stigma of the fall is on all the daughters of the Eve. The stigma of the fall is on all the sons of Adam as well, but in a different way. And to throw off that stigma, to throw off that stigma, because Eve followed the devil's lead and got out from under the authority and headship of her husband. Of course, her husband was right there and let it happen, men. To throw off the stigma of the fall, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. So it's not just giving birth, right? Not just the physical act of giving birth, but continuing in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Again, this is the importance of motherhood, the vital importance of motherhood on display from Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament and New Testament. It is central It is glorious. It's for all ages. It's magnificent. It should be honored and praised, encouraged. Consider 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And let's take note of the powerful God-given evangelistic influence mothers have. Again, they're frontline warriors every day in those children's lives. And and ladies, I want you to think of that. That might elevate some of your tasks. Because I know some of those tasks can get a little mundane. Again, this the same thing again. I get it. But it's bigger than those individual tasks that you face with such repetition. And it's it's bigger than even, you know, I have to correct you, child, on this again. <laughs> Not just the task, but the children. I thought I taught you that yesterday. <laughs> well again today. Six times today. <laughs> All right. So this should encourage you. 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Paul talking to Timothy. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we got Pastor Timothy, and he's being talked up to, meaning built up by the Apostle Paul. And Paul's got some encouragement. He's got a little bit of correction from Pastor Timothy. But Pastor Timothy is encouraged in his faith in part by looking back to where he got said faith, which of course is by the sovereign grace of God, but God has means. 
And the glorious means that the Apostle Paul points to, which again, the Bible elevates women, doesn't diminish women, is Grandma Lois and Mother Eunice. Hey, big important Pastor Timothy. (laughs) That faith you have, it was first in Grandma and in your mom, Lois and Eunice. And now it's in you. Oh, what a gift. Oh, what a treasure. Oh, what a blessing. And hey, now we're elevating grandmahood as well as motherhood. Because grandma has a powerful testimony. Grandma has a powerful word. Grandma has a powerful life example to live before those children's lives. And the Lord is pleased to use Grandma Lois as well as Mama Eunice in Timothy's life. And dad, where's dad? I don't know. I don't know. But he's not referenced. And so perhaps dad wasn't saved or perhaps dad died. I don't know. But regardless, the two that are referenced are the two women in his life, the important women, the two daughters of Eve, his grandmother and his mother. The genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Praise God. What a beautiful thing to have a a lineage of righteousness, a heritage of righteousness. From grandma to mom to son to daughter. And then this son becomes a preacher of righteousness. And a great many are going to come into the faith because of that, because of grandma's ministry and mom's ministry. She ultimately, grandma ultimately produced a preacher two generations down. And then it continues and it continues and it continues. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is the same book two chapters later. Who is Paul talking about? Timothy and Grandma and Mom. Grandma Lois and Mama Eunice. And so you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I spoke earlier of a drug problem. And ladies, of course, you're dragging your children to the table. You're dragging your children to the truth all over the place, right? They need to have a serious drug problem. You mamas are dragging them to Christ and saying, sit here, see the glory thereof. Uh, Again and again and again. But church is part of it, right? And sometimes you think... You know, what can a kid get in church? Well, I was just blessed to preach in Southern Oregon at a conference. And at these kind of conferences, I don't expect a lot of young kids to be there. Sometimes they are there. And uh, one of the pastors and his wife you know, had several small children there. And their, their youngest child was four years old. Four years old was little Charlotte. Little blonde-haired, blue-eyed Charlotte. And uh, I preached long and hard at this conference. And there was a lot of, you know, relatively complex, as complex as... You know, my mind can make it. I try to make it hard and tricky. Um, no, I, I don't. But as for a child, as far as the child is concerned, it was hard and tricky. It was strong biblical preaching. 
One of the messages she had just heard was on Mormonism and evangelizing Mormons. And her mother asked her, just curious to see what she got out of the message. What, what, what did you get there? And uh, this, is, this is a note that her mother wrote. I asked Charlotte what she got. And she said that Mormons make false gods of themselves. That they worship a false god. And they want to be like God and to have their own planet. Yes, yes, yes. How many adult Christians know that and can articulate that? If they were asked, give me a few you know, big bullet points about the error, the heresy of the Mormon faith. Hmm. Well, this little four-year-old sat under one sermon and... 30 minutes, an hour later, still remember that. Now, she would challenge many adults, but she wasn't done. She said they're, they're going to be casted in the lake of fire forever. If they don't believe in Christ, they won't go to heaven. They go to hell. And they, they want to be like God. They've made him, Jesus, this Jesus, a false god, and they want to be like the false god they've created. The false Jesus of Mormonism, which I explained thoroughly, but she got the gist of. It's amazing that the false Jesus of Mormonism is a man who became a god to show you as men and women how to become gods and perpetually pregnant goddesses. Thankfully, she didn't get that part of it. (laughs) But wow, wow. It's amazing. And she goes on, and it gets a little bit, a little wonky, but it's still, knowing what I preached, you need a little explanation, but it's amazing what she got. She got the vital truth of the message. I hope all the adults walk away and can answer as well as the four-year-old did. Mom was extremely blessed. Immediately texted it to dad, who was out on the streets with us, and was like, Pastor Chuck, look, it's amazing. (laughs) They were shocked. Don't underestimate what these children can soak up. Grandma Lois, Mama Eunice, Dad, don't underestimate. That's amazing. Praise God. God's design works. There's power in it. Mom drug the child, not just a church, mom drug the child to a day-long evangelism conference where this crazy Pastor Chuck is going to preach three and some hours. And the child was there (laughs) and survived it. Not three hours straight. Three different messages. And she retained it. Isn't that beautiful? Now, a lesser mother might have thought, well, you know, I, I can't expect a child to put up with, you know, preaching, teaching. Go, go off and... Play. Not that kids can't go off and play, by all means they can. But we tend to underestimate, and we don't want to do that. Well, praise God for the gift of motherhood. Praise God for the gift of mothers, for these mothers, our precious mothers. Let me close with this. A mother's love, a poem there in your bulletin. 
There are times only when a mother's love can understand our tears, can soothe our disappointments, can calm all our fears. There are times when only a mother's love can share the joy we feel when something we've dreamed about quite suddenly is real. There are times when only a mother's faith can help on life's way and inspire us in the confidence we need from day to day. For a mother's heart and a mother's faith and a mother's steadfast love were fashioned in heaven and sent from God above. Amen. Mother's Day, you get a poem. Let's pray.